You're listening to the Cyberwire Network, powered by N2K. The IT world used to be simpler. You only had to secure and manage environments that you controlled. Then came new technologies and new ways to work. Now, employees, apps, and networks are everywhere. This means poor visibility, security gaps, and added risk. That's why Cloudflare created the first-ever connectivity cloud. Visit cloudflare.com to protect your business everywhere you do business. The scope of Iran-linked APT-33 cyber attacks has been revealed. Gand crab criminals are using more sophisticated tactics. A new type of malware was using Slack to communicate. Chrome gets an important update. Huawei sues the U.S. and Germany sets tougher security rules for telecom companies. And people who invest in cryptocurrency often don't know what they're getting into. From the CyberWire studios at Data Tribe, I'm Dave Bittner with your CyberWire summary for Thursday, March 7, 2019. Microsoft told the Wall Street Journal that an Iranian cyber attack campaign hit more than 200 companies over the past two years, causing hundreds of millions of dollars in damages. The attacks targeted oil and gas companies and heavy machinery makers in a number of countries, including Saudi Arabia, Germany, the United Kingdom, India, and the U.S., The group sent phishing emails to more than 2,200 people at these companies. Microsoft attributes the attack to Holmium, also known as APT33. The group has been active since at least 2013 and has a history of going after organizations in the aviation and energy sectors. CrowdStrike says criminals using GandCrab ransomware have exhibited a recent shift in tactics. They're now using techniques more often associated with nation-state APT groups, such as manual lateral movement within networks. These observations are consistent with a recent advertising campaign by GanCrab's developer, Pinchy Spider, which was aimed at individuals with knowledge of remote desktop protocol, virtual network computing, and corporate networking. The shift in tactics suggests that Pinchy Spider and its affiliates are hoping to maximize their revenue by launching the type of low-volume, high-return attacks used by sophisticated threat actors. This strategy, which the CrowdStrike researchers call big game hunting, in which threat actors hack into an organization's network and manually deploy the malware. This method is far more effective at getting victims to pay up than widespread, untargeted ransomware campaigns, but it requires a great deal of technical skill. Threat groups using SamSam, BitPamer, and Ryuk ransomware have been observed using these tactics very effectively. GandCrab differs from the ransomware used in those attacks, however, because it requests a ransom payment for each individual infected machine, rather than asking for a lump sum in exchange for decrypting all of an organization's computers. Email account takeover is a tried-and-true method for bad actors to gain access to your data and your network. Asaf Sedone is Vice President of Email Security at Barracuda Networks, and he joins us with the details. The most common way is to actually fish one of the employees. So to send an employee a fish, uh, phishing email with a link that um, looks like a sign-in page to a real service, but in fact is just 
you know, a website owned by the attacker. Um, so a lot of uh, folks would receive emails impersonating, you know, Microsoft Outlook or Gmail or perhaps, um, you know, DocuSign or Dropbox. Another way is um, by basically buying the credential from someone else. So once, um, you know, credentials are stolen, they then get sold oftentimes in the black market. So uh, in the dark web. Um, and so you have this kind of multi-tiered economy of criminals where, you know, one set of criminals is just uh, harvesting credentials, then they sell off the credentials to another set of criminals that then might pursue a much more targeted attack against a specific organization. Now, if I fall victim of this, if someone takes over my account, would I necessarily know right away that something has happened? No, not necessarily. And th- this is what makes these accounts so uh, you know, nefarious. So most employees don't actually notice that their account has been taken over. And in fact, attackers take you know, several steps to, to kind of hide their activity. So one common thing attackers do is they will um, set up a forwarding rule um, from that employee's mailbox to forward all the emails externally so they don't even need to log in anymore to that account, um, not to trigger any kind of suspicious IP logins. Um, And then even when they launch an actual email campaign from that employee's account, you know, sometimes they will actually delete those emails from the sent items email folder so that the employee won't notice them. And they might even delete any of the responses really quickly when they get received. So, So we do hypothesize that some of these attackers actually run scripts on the accounts to immediately delete the emails from the sent items folder and immediately delete the replies to the attack. Um, so that's kind of the, you know, the more sophisticated attackers. And, and is it a typical situation that an organization will have uh, not as stringent security when, when things are coming from inside the organization? Absolutely. In fact, the vast majority of email security systems, including, you know, the ones available on the, you know, on the popular, you know, email providers like like Office 365, they don't even scan or even have the ability to scan for internal emails. Hmm. So the common architecture of email security is they sit between the outside world and the mail server. So they only observe, you know, traffic from the outside coming in or from the inside coming out, but they have no even, you know, no ability to peek into internal traffic. And so this is what makes, you know, these attacks um, highly successful is they're basically, you know, running unimpeded. There's nobody really inspecting um, emails coming from internal sources. And so that's that's what makes these attacks really dangerous. And so what are your recommendations for people and organizations to protect themselves against these sorts of things? From kind of the most sophisticated uh, side, um, there are actually now solutions that use artificial intelligence to detect anomalies in internal employee traffic that basically learns, you know, over time, what's a normal uh, pattern of communication for an employee? You know, how do they normal normally communicate with colleagues? How, you know, what IPs do they log into? What are the inbox forwarding rules they have on their account? And then we look for, you know, any you know malicious activity or anomalous activity on any one of these signals. Another um, good idea is to apply multi-factor authentication. Mm-hmm. Unfortunately, multi-factor authentication is not an end-all kind of not a, a full solution to this problem. We've actually seen attackers um, bypass multi-factor authentication by harvesting the SMS code as well as the credential mm-hmm. with a fake login page. Um, but still, it makes you know makes the life of attackers harder, uh, and definitely a good idea to set it up on all the you know important SaaS 
you know, an email systems um, of, of an internal, you know, organization. Mm-hmm. Um, and then finally, the last step is probably uh, awareness. Um, you know, so you can run security awareness campaigns to actually simulate these types of attacks. And anytime anybody that's doing any type of financial transaction or dealing with HR information, you know, I would recommend the old fashioned way of person to person, you know, you're about to send someone, a, you know, a file with a lot of, you know, uh, W2s. It's probably not a bad idea to just verify the email actually came from them or, or to get on the phone with them and verify that they actually need it and, and to, to see if it's the correct email address, right? right? So anytime you're, you know, so that's more like internal procedures. And, you know, that's always just really important as well, on, on top of all the security measures. That's Asaf Sedone from Barracuda Networks. Researchers at Trend Micro this morning described a new type of information gathering malware that communicates with an attacker via a Slack channel. The malware is spread through watering hole attacks, potentially targeting people who are interested in political activities. Once it finds itself on a system, it runs a downloader, which downloads a backdoor. This backdoor embeds two authorization tokens, allowing it to communicate with the Slack API. It then downloads a file from GitHub and parses it for commands. The output of each command is sent to a private Slack channel where the attacker can read it. The primary target of the malware appears to be the victim's personal communications, and it goes after platforms like Twitter and Skype. The researchers have named the malware Slub because it makes use of Slack and GitHub. They don't know who is behind Slub because the attackers were very good at covering their tracks. Notably, the researchers haven't seen any related attacks in the past, and they've been unable to find any similar malware samples. They believe with strong confidence that it was part of a possible targeted attack campaign, noting that the attackers, who were very sophisticated, clearly showing a strong interest in person-related information. Google's latest Chrome update contains a patch for a high-severity, use-after-free vulnerability that's being actively exploited in the wild. The bug is in the browser's File Reader API, which allows Chrome to access local files. Details of the flaw are being kept under wraps until enough users have updated, but Chrome's security and desktop engineering lead said in a tweet, Seriously, update your Chrome installs, like right this minute. TechCrunch notes that Huawei filed its lawsuit against the U.S. federal government last night, claiming the ban on its products from government use is unconstitutional. Huawei is arguing that Congress violated the Constitution's Bill of Attainder Clause by specifically naming the company. The clause forbids legislation that targets a particular person or entity without trial. Most observers doubt Huawei will win the case. Earlier today, Germany's federal news agency set stricter security requirements for all telecom equipment vendors, rather than singling out Chinese companies. Under the new rules, critical network equipment will only be used after examination and certification by Germany's BSI Information Security Agency, which assisted in drafting the guidelines. A full version of the requirements will be published later this spring. Facebook has joined Google in rejecting an Australian regulator's proposal that the government oversee how major tech firms rank news articles and advertisements. The Australian Competition and Consumer Commission says that companies like Google and Facebook, quote, increasingly perform similar functions as media businesses, end quote, so similar rules should apply. A spokeswoman for Facebook said 
the proposed level of regulatory intervention was unprecedented. The UK's Financial Conduct Authority published research today warning consumers to exercise prudence when it comes to cryptocurrency. The research consists of two surveys which found that many consumers overestimate their knowledge of crypto assets. They often perceive cryptocurrencies as a way to get rich quick and feel like they're investing in tangible assets. One of the surveys found that one in six consumers hadn't completed any research on the topic before buying cryptocurrencies. Managing the requirements for modern security programs is increasingly challenging and time-consuming. Enter Vanta. Vanta gives you one place to centralize and scale your security program, quickly assess risk, streamline security reviews, and automate compliance for ISO 27001, SOC 2, and more. You can leverage Vanta's market-leading trust management platform to unify risk management and secure the trust of your customers. Plus, use Vanta AI to save time when completing security questionnaires. CyberWire daily listeners can get $1,000 off by going to vanta.com slash cyber. That's V-A-N-T-A dot com slash cyber. In the dynamic world of enterprise security, identity architects and IT leaders face a major challenge. Growth by repeated acquisitions multiplies the complexity of everything. Multiple IDPs, MFA providers, policy engines that all need to coexist. This can lead to fragmented user identities and policies that create security vulnerabilities and add access friction. Strata Identity solves this. Now you can decommission unneeded IDPs and consolidate the ones you'd like to keep without rewriting apps or disrupting users, engineers, and app owners. Plus, Strata's modular architecture makes it easy to integrate with any identity provider without manual maintenance and coding. Join the ranks of cybersecurity leaders using identity orchestration. Visit strata.io slash cyberwire, share your top identity security priorities, and receive a pair of complimentary AirPods Pro. Offer valid for organizations with over 5,000 employees. Step into a new era of identity management at strata.io slash cyberwire. And joining me once again is David DeFore. He's Vice President of Engineering and Cybersecurity at Webroot, and he is coming to us live from RSA Conference. David, having a good time out there, huh? Yeah, well, you know, it's it can be a little hectic, especially once you're on day four, but yeah, things are going pretty good. Um, what, what are you seeing out there? What's your take on the show this year? Well, well, I got to tell you, David, I, I've got some really good news for your listeners because it, it seems like um, everything has absolutely been automated, integrated, simplified, and they're using uh, pervasive, predictive, zero trust AI threat detection security analytics. Uh, and so it sounds like uh, they're making it so we can stay connected uh, longer, innovate faster, and then stay online safely while we digitally transform our organizations. So I'm feeling like, David, I feel like 
it's we fixed it. It's over. We can just check off cybersecurity. It's done. Going to say no need for a conference next year, right? Well, we got this I, solved. I've been talking to some folks and we're thinking next year we'll just have a big party to, you know, kind of as a going away because we've got it figured out. Yeah, that's good. That's good. All right. Well, uh, besides all of those uh, marketing messages, uh, what, what's the real scoop? What's your sense of uh, where we st stand this year? Well, uh, you know, there's a there's a couple of things uh, really sticking out because they're not uh, here. And, and um, we're not seeing a lot of discussion on blockchain. In the last few years, there's been a ton of talk about blockchain and things like that. So I think the, the lack of noise on that is kind of interesting. And maybe people are realizing that's more of a, a management audit tool and, and not something that's in the near term going to be huge in security. Hmm. This has sort of lost its buzzword status. Yeah, yeah, it has um, for for sure. Um, you know, there's still everybody's got their AI and ML, um, which is going to save the day. Um, but but some really interesting things that that we're seeing uh, discussion is a lot of talk about privacy versus security, hmm. and how a lot of the things that are making us uh, protect our privacy online uh, are affecting our ability uh, with a lot of the tools we have to actually. Um, do security. So, for example, if you're doing um, maybe I'm picking on HTTPS here, if you have a secure connection from your uh, PC to a server um, uh, on the Internet, your your organization isn't able to look at that traffic and, and not in a way to see what you're doing, but in a way to see where you're going. And a lot of the tools need to be able to monitor that traffic to make sure the bad guys aren't injecting things in that in that network flow. Hmm. Security giveth, security taketh away. That, that's exactly right. And I think, I don't know that there's really any answers, but it's nice to see a discussion around how do we find that balance of ensuring people have their privacy, because I'm a huge privacy advocate, um, but, but there's got to be some balance where we can ensure people have their privacy, but we're also building the tools we need that will protect us. Yeah, it definitely seems like privacy is, is certainly getting a, a, a brighter light shown on it than it has in years past. Uh, I'm wondering, what do you see walking around in terms of um, diversity, people of color? Are, are we seeing an, a better representation there? You know, I, I got to say we are. I've seen a, a couple of um, groups uh, that, that are from different countries, you know, the African group um, and then uh, folks from the Middle East. Uh, so we're seeing from different locations some some South American um, organizations as well. You know, the countries have their booth, but in general, uh, there's more diversity now. Am I going to say it's diverse? You know, this can be, you know, kind of a slanted show, but, but I've been going six years. They gave me a little badge, I uh, think for my badge, it says loyalty plus, uh, you know, I guess I'm some RSA uh, loyalty person now. And I have to say it's getting better. We have a long way to go though, but it's nice to see inroads being made and a lot of attention being paid to diversity. What is your sense in terms of uh, overall tone, uh, people's spirits? Are, are people feeling, do you sense that there's a, a, a feeling of optimism? Um, well, I think there's a, a more of a feeling of pragmatism where I think a couple of years ago we were going to, you know, fix all the world's problems. But, but where we've landed now is what are the things we can do? How do we do it better? How do we try to make things a little more simpler for people? But I, I think there's an idea around how do we start simplifying stuff for folks. That, so pragmatism with the hope of simplifying. 
And what are you seeing in terms of folks coming up to the WebRoot booth and asking questions? Are you getting getting good leads, smart questions from people? So what's what's ironic, we don't get a lot of leads in terms of, you know, new business here. We have a lot of partnerships. It's good for meeting those folks. But we do get a lot of questions and it allows us to really put our finger on the pulse of what people are, are wondering about. And endpoint has been a really big topic, you know. Um, we had some EDR for a while where, where you know, companies were focused on, you know, the detection component, but people are really looking for holistic solutions that actually remove or, or threats if they get on the machine as well. So, so there's a lot of talk about, um, you know, good old tried and true endpoint technology. Um, and, and then everybody wants to talk about threat intelligence. Um, it used to be a big buzzword, but it's kind of calmed down. But people are looking for quality threat data to do an analysis again. Hmm. All right. Well, David, uh, safe travels home. I hope you're able to uh, uh, kick your feet up and uh, relax a little bit when you get there. But uh, in the meantime, enjoy the rest of the show. All right. Thanks, David. It's been great being on. And that's the CyberWire. For links to all of today's stories, check out our daily briefing at thecyberwire.com. And for professionals and cybersecurity leaders who want to stay abreast of this rapidly evolving field, sign up for CyberWire Pro. It'll save you time and keep you informed. Listen for us on your Alexa smart speaker, too. The CyberWire podcast is proudly produced in Maryland out of the startup studios of Data Tribe, where they're co-building the next generation of cybersecurity teams and technologies. Our amazing CyberWire team is Elliot Peltzman, Peru Prakash, Stefan Vaziri, Kelsey Vaughn, Tim Nodar, Joe Kerrigan, Carol Terrio, Ben Yellen, Nick Vilecki, Gina Johnson, Bennett Moe, Chris Russell, John Petrick, Jennifer Iben, Rick Howard, Peter Kilpie, and I'm Dave Bittner. Thanks for listening. We'll see you back here tomorrow.